Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. I've got my buddy Tucker Booth with me today. Tucker's from Rappers Don't Golf. Tucker's also done acting and singing and writing and all kinds of stuff. He's kind of... uh, Southern California's Renaissance man. I guess then that makes me Portland's Renaissance man. I'm not sure because we've done a lot of the same things. But Tucker co-wrote the new book coming out on May 23rd, Troublemaker, uh, a memoir of sexism, retaliation. I can't speak today. And the fight they didn't see coming. That part really grabbed me. After I read the book, I went back and looked at the cover again. And I said, I don't know who wrote all that on the cover, but they got it right. The fight they didn't see coming. I when I was talking to Lisa, uh, and we'll get to some fun lightning round stuff here in a minute, Tucker. But when I was talking to Lisa, it was kind of like, "Are you ready for the blowback?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, bring it." You know, like you said, "Try me," and uh, <laughs> so it it was all good. And I have to say, um, I tend to be nobody cares about my political views, and I keep it out of all my shows. But I tend to be kind of more towards the center, you know, like you were saying. In the regular show, we don't do enough back and forth discourse, treating people civilly anymore and all that. But when came the part about the Clintons, one of the things that really made me laugh, and I brought this up to her, was her and Hillary eating peanut butter with a spoon out of the jar <laughs> in the White House. You know, and and I'm like, I've done, I haven't done it in the White House, but I, I've done that. You know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think some of the best anecdotes in the book about all the great famous people that she's rubbed elbows with in her life are the ones where you really get to see the human side of them. The the, the Hillary eating peanut butter one is great. The other one is Tiger Woods uh, well, drinking Diet Dr. Peppers and yeah. Sony Sports Walkman and, and Earl Woods throwing pine cones at her while she's practicing and all that that those those stories are are amazing and they give you the the human side of these superhuman seeming people like like tiger and the clintons and so forth so yeah and i i agree with you and you know just taking one more run at the clintons i'll I'll be honest and i said this to her i was turned off by a lot of the politics uh especially in 2016 with that election and whatnot and it had reached the point where i didn't want to i not only didn't want to get into any of it with anyone i just i i felt like i had kind of gotten to the point where i i didn't respect any of it and working with lisa getting to know her asking her the questions i was allowed to ask her about hillary and bill 
it gave me a newfound respect for them and it and it humanized them and i guess here i am on the bully pulpit again but this is what we got to do folks it doesn't mean you got to vote for these people it doesn't mean you have to love the way that they think politically but if you can't find a way to humanize these people then you're being inhumane because yeah. they are human beings and and i'm grateful that lisa helped me rehumanize some of these folks that i'd kind of gotten to the point where I, I wasn't looking at them in a, in a, in a positive way. Yeah, no, that's true. And I've, uh, I've spoken privately with people many, many hundreds of times, like we've got to get back to some sort of civil discourse because all we're doing is throwing a handful of crap at somebody on the other side that we disagree with and they're throwing it back. And we, the people, if you will, are getting caught in the middle and it's not working very well. So there, and, there's there's my big political take, Tucker. So. <laughs> be nice. You said it earlier. Be nice. Be, be nice. Tough. Okay, let's see if you're ready for this, my friend. If you could play a round of golf with one of your golfing heroes, who would it be? Wow. The, the, the knee jerk would be to say somebody like Tiger, but I've already heard enough about how Tiger plays golf with people that I don't think I could handle that. Uh, I'll go, I'll go with a, a, a rapper. I, I, I'd like to play around with Snoop Dogg. And if, uh, if I could, uh, you know, get in a time machine, I would like to play around with Tupac rest in peace. Yeah. The, go the goat of rappers. I would love to play around with Tupac. I'm not sure you if with Snoop Dogg if you'd actually make the whole round. That's kind of like playing around with Willie Nelson, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd remember the round of golf with Snoop Dogg, but it would probably be fun anyway. Probably be fun. Uh, <laughs> if we declared uh, Tucker Booth the supreme leader of golf for one day, just one day, uh, but what you said had to happen, what would you decree as supreme leader? Everybody needs to pick up the pace. I'm sorry, but people are mad at Patrick Cantlay for taking too long. Every time I play around a golf at the Muni course in my, in my area, people are stocking putts like they're Tiger at Augusta on the 16th hole. Pick it up, guys. I, I want to get in and out of there in a couple hours. You know, a, a whole round should not take six to seven hours. Right. And a round should not take more than 90 minutes. Pick it up. That would be the decree. You know, um, my buddy Steve and I played with two older guys uh, yesterday. And when they came pulling up to the tee box, I thought, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, they they played fine. They they weren't big hitters anymore. They're, those days were gone. I get that. But they played fine. They kept up the whole time. And then I... Ahead of us, though, when we were playing on the back nine, all of a sudden, they the older guys left. They only played nine. Anyway, long story short, you get to the back nine, and all of a sudden, we're stacked up on the tee boxes. And this is a bloody Thursday, okay? This is not a weekend. This is a Thursday. And you find out that, like, four groups ahead, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're stocking the putts like Tiger and Augusta. You know, they think they're going to hit a flop shot like Mickelson or whatever it is. And it's like, move it. Let's go. You know, I, 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 I get that you want to get the most out of your round, but I think most people need to just accept the fact that none of us are very good at it. 
Right. And you're not going to get any better by taking longer. I think they've even proven this, that playing ready golf and, and you know, stepping up and taking the next shot, I'd say your odds are, are about even. Now, granted, don't rush it. It's like what I say to my son. Don't rush it. Yeah. But but also don't don't take too long. Seriously, it drives us all crazy and it's it's a waste of time. Yeah, I uh <laughs> I don't know if it was you or somebody put out there a tweet a couple of weeks ago about uh what should happen to slow players and that. What kind of penalties? And I wrote back thumb screws at the turn. Yeah. <laughs> And Michael oh. Collins and a bunch of those guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what's the, you've covered some tournaments and stuff down in Southern California and around. What's the dumbest thing you've ever seen while covering a tournament? Oh my gosh. Lots of stuff. Wow. Dumbest. Um, when I was at Tory multiple times, I, I can remember people that were trying to get the attention of the golfers and granted we all know that there's all these hecklers and whatnot right but um i think the dumbest thing would probably be people that that seriously were going hole to hole just so they could get close to them when they'd hit it sideways in order to say something to get under their skin i i i don't know i mean i've, I've been I've, i'm a great heckler man when i'm at football games or whatever i'm always the guy that can say the thing that cuts the deepest but as i'm getting older i do think it's dumb because first of all even if you do irritate said professional why why would you want to do that yeah. and and you're calling un unreasonable attention to yourself but yeah no people that were there merely to be the one that said the thing that drove them crazy and, and be able to see that irk them. Uh, I think that's the dumbest thing. Well, that or just being stumbling blackout drunk, but I think those two kind of go together. They do. They do. Yeah. And if we ever find the guy that invented mashed potatoes, um, <laughs> we're just going to put him in the water by, you know, 14 and leave him there type thing, <laughs> I think. So, um, so Tucker, here's a good one for you. Uh, if we put your skills to music, what would the music be? Wow. You're talking golf skills? Any skills. All your skills. <laughs> Any skills. Well, it's when I was younger, I liked to call my musical style folk rap because I, I don't know if you knew this, Jeff, but my hero is not a rapper. When people are like, who's your favorite musician of all time or who's your favorite songwriter? I, 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 it's, it's been Bob Dylan since I was a child. Yeah. My dad started playing me Bob Dylan records when I was a little boy. And I swear I'm more in love with Bob Dylan than my dad is anymore. And I'm <laughs> turning on to all of Bob's music that he has never even heard. Uh, I think his new music, his newest record that just came out, he's 80 years old. His newest record is one of his best ever. It's phenomenal. So I would say, my my musical my musical soundtrack to my life is kind of this weird fusion of the acoustic folk meets the the rock and roll meets the the rap and hip hop. It's kind of this fusion of all three. And granted, I guess anymore that's not that unprecedented. But no. when I was younger, that that felt like it was kind of this awkward style. Now I feel like it's kind of more more mainstream to say that. But it is. It's an acoustic guitar while I'm freestyle rapping with, with a beat behind it. There you go. I think mine would be Sons of the Pioneers, um, 
Dean Martin and either ACDC or Bob Seger, because I kind of go back and forth between them <laughs> like that. So we've got a broad selection of uh, of all, stuff to do. All those acts. That, those all, are all great, great ones to go with, man. Yeah. Besides Troublemaker, uh, Tucker, do you have a favorite golf book? You know, the, the, the great golf writers of our time are, are pretty easy to pinpoint. If I wanted to go back, I would say some of the writing by Herbert Warren Wind is phenomenal. Dan Jenkins is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rick Riley, my neighbor and and someone who put me on early in the game. He lives down in Hermosa. Rick's written some great stuff. But I would say best golf book I've ever read is uh, John Feinstein, uh, the Good Walk Spoiled. Spoiled, yeah. That's a really great book. Um I hope I said John's last name right, but yeah. <laughs> John, John, you're a great writer, um, and I, I, I owe him a public apology, so I'll throw this out here in overtime, too. John had put a tweet out saying Dave Faraday's new book is dropping, and uh, you know it's coming out soon. And I jumped on the comment thread and said, yeah, but we're outselling him on Twitter, and I put up a, a photo of, of uh, our, our sales totals. John was the co-author of Faraday's book. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I thought he was doing it. I thought he was just doing a solid for David by saying that. John, I'm very sorry. I've already apologized privately, but I'm very sorry. I was not trying to shade you. Uh, I think you're a phenomenal writer, and you're a thousand times better writer than I'll ever be. <laughs> One guy I like too, and he's become a friend over the years, is Jim Dodson. He wrote oh, yeah. that. He wrote that book, Final Rounds. He's Jim's written like four hundred and fifty-five books or something, but uh, that Final Rounds book—that's how we became friends. And so, when you find books like that, Good Walk Spoiled, Final Rounds, any of Jenkins' books, I actually have a. I've got. We got a lot of books, uh, but I have a whole section, the Dan Jenkins section, and I guarantee you, Tucker, that I reread at least two of his books every year. Just when nothing fresh is dropping right away or anything like that, I go to the library in the house and grab one or two of Jenkins' books. I just find them funnier than hell. So, yeah, Rick, Rick Riley said that pretty much everybody that worked at Sports Illustrated, everybody that he respects in the golf writing world kind of compares themselves like, is this is this Dan Jenkins good? Is this even – that's the bar. Mm -hmm. So – you know, the same way that Paul Simon said every songwriter wished they were Bob Dylan. So there you go. I think every golf writer wishes they were Jenkins. So, yeah, yeah I think so, too. Um, <clears throat> if you could dine with a historical figure, they don't have to be alive. We'll go we'll go dig them up for you. And if you could dine with a historical figure, who would it be and what would be on the menu? Wow. That's another great question. Let me think for one second. If I'm getting in the time machine, I would probably want to go back to the 60s. I, I feel like a lot of people said that I, I have the, the spirit of someone from that era. And granted, I'm surely attracted to that music yeah. and the culture. I, I guess I'll, I'll say it again. I would want to go back. Well, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll put Bob to the side and say, how about the Beatles? I'd like to go hang with the Beatles circa their enlightenment period, like maybe right around Sergeant Peppers or something. Yep. And uh, so I'd say John Lennon, 
and George Harrison or okay, I'll say George. George Harrison and what's on the menu? Uh obviously some fine vegan cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That that is true. Do you remember Tucker the first time you ever picked up a golf club? Yes. It was about the time that my son was born. I got into it late and and I have not disparaged my golf game, but I will do that now. I am a terrible golfer by my own admission because I didn't start early enough, but I picked up a club right around uh, 30 years old and my son was a baby and I was watching Tiger on TV. And like a lot of folks, I said, all right, I, I want to give it a shot. And the very first time I picked one up, I took a lesson. My wife had, had gotten lessons from a, a, a club pro that was at the lakes at El Segundo, which still exists out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy said, you've never swung a golf club. And I go, no, he goes, well, just pull that driver out and take a rip at it. See what happens. And my very first swing, I flushed it. <laughs> <laughs> and you were hooked. Yeah. But I don't know if that was a good thing because I think that's the last time I've ever flushed a driver in my life. He looked at me, he goes, you've never swung a golf club. And I go, Nope. He goes, do it again. And then I couldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. Mine was in uh, some, with some old clubs. My uh, brother left when I was a kid, uh, the bag was ripped. They were old, a uh, mismatch set rusty and all that, but I started hitting balls in the past year. And that's when I, kind of got hooked there tucker if you could erase excuse me if you could erase one mistake from your past what would it be oh my lord (laughs) just one oh man yeah you get to pick the best one i can't wish for a million wishes here (laughs) oh my lord uh one mistake it's funny because you know you ask a similar version of what i ask i always say what's your greatest regret Mm -hmm. and i think they're kind of the same in that uh wow I guess if I could re- do one thing over again early on, and boy, I sound like the public service announcement here. The kids, I I, I would have stayed off drugs because I, I got to tell you, it's it's been something through my whole life that I've had to kind of battle is substance abuse issues. And yeah, that very first time somebody held out the the joint to me, I think I should have said no, because I'll tell you, it it, it really is a slippery slope. And your parents or, you know, these people that tell you that it's a gateway drug, it surely is. And uh, I don't think it's helped me make a lot of wise decisions in life. So, yeah, I, I guess I would say I would not have I would not have smoked that joint. I wouldn't have picked up that that drink. I think I would have I would have said no. I uh, <clears throat> my problem was is <clears throat> when I was done, I always wanted to eat a whole damn box of Cheerios. Me, too. <laughs> Get the big bowl, you know, the big bowl. <laughs> I like that. Just keep going. Um, do you remember the best concert you ever went to? I was just talking about this yesterday. I surely do. And I've been to a lot of great concerts. I've been very lucky in life. But the greatest one I've ever seen was right before the, the shutdown. It was New Year's Eve of 2018. And I had gotten my wife a Christmas gift. Every year I try and get her one thing that's kind of like an experiential kind of gift instead of like jewelry or whatever. And I was looking online for something, anything to do, kind of like a date night kind of deal. And I saw that John Mayer 
and Dave Chappelle were going to do a concert together at the forum in LA. And I went, wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. She humongous John Mayer fan. And I am a humongous Dave Chappelle fan. And I got to be honest, when I was younger, John Mayer was kind of the standard, right? And I used, I used to poo-poo him a lot. I used to say, this is, this is chick rock. And you know, it's it, it, right. he, he's talented, but he's, he, it's, it's, it's weak to me. That night was special. First of all, John Mayer is a genius. And if you guys haven't seen him, he's a genius. And he got up on his own and played like with a rig where he was looping up his own beats and then playing by himself. It was mind blowing. He was so good. Then Dave comes out and does a full stand-up comedy set and then calls John back up on stage and they do 45 minutes of musical comedy where John's playing guitar and Dave is leading all of us in sing-alongs with John all the way till the ball dropped for New Year's Eve. It oh. was it was mind-blowing. And they're still out on tour doing this. If you ever get a chance to go see it, it was it was so great. And it, 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 what was so great about the concert was it gave me a newfound respect for John Mayer. My wife didn't know Dave that well. Now she's a huge fan. It really kind of it was it was a great way for both of us to kind of get into each other's worlds. I wish I'd have been there with you. <clears throat> oh, it was special, Jeff. You would have loved it. Seriously, I left there going, I'm I'm buzzing off, off just life. Yeah, I, the, the, this is the, the natural high. This this show did it, and that's really rare, especially for me to feel like, like I got all that out of a, out of a concert. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of concerts I've left and went. Okay. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. You know. No, you know, maybe, maybe I even can acknowledge their talent, but it's almost like movies or, or music. It's, it's hard when you've gone to so many, right. Yeah, yes. For you to feel like there's anything new or anything really mind blowing that you see there. And it's kind of why I've become such a, movie snob and kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to a lot of art but when they're masters of their craft like mayor and Chappelle, it, that's a whole nother level and and they're really kind of still in their prime right now so that was super special and yeah i know dave's kind of taken it on the chin the last few years for being controversial but he's a masterful comic and uh yeah, I I just can't even tell you how hilarious and and awesome that show was. I I love Dave Chappelle. I just love him. Um, here's here's a good one for you, Tucker. What would be your last meal on death row? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's funny that that comes to mind is uh, it, probably soup. I I am like the biggest soup lover. I'll eat soup hot or cold. It doesn't even have to be gazpacho. I love soup. But, you know, I'll go one deeper. My favorite food, and anybody that knows me will tell you this, is hummus. I'm addicted to hummus. I can get a Sabra family size hummus and eat it with a spoon. Like it's a. (laughs) I seriously love this stuff so much. So, how about just a big old vat of hummus? There you go. Yeah, right? I was in, I was in the Middle East, a long time ago. I was I was working. I was not in the military, and I was working. And real quickly, they put me up in the Intercon Hotel in Riyadh, beautiful, gorgeous hotel. And when I walked in there, I looked down the hallway and I saw 
oh, there was a Pizza Hut and there was a McDonald's and there was a Taco Bell, you know, a little satellite uh, restaurants there. And I thought, I'll just go get something to eat. I've been on a plane for 35 hours, you know, to get there, right? Guy goes, no, you got to go down and do our our big restaurant. So they take me downstairs, this huge, gorgeous opulent restaurant i mean i've got gold real gold utensils and stuff and i'm going wow okay so besides from the the sheep brains the sheep testicles uh (laughs) and all that stuff that was there i fell in love with hummus too and i also fell in love with tucker the the baklava because they had a lot of lebanese bakers there so oh my gosh so for two weeks, man, I was eating hummus and baklava. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know if I, I could eat and eat baklava very long without turning into the Michelin man. But oh well, my that's gosh. me anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> so, oh great! Oh, yeah. it's all good. Okay, a couple more here, um, and I think we touched on this a little bit earlier here. Biggest change you think that should be made in one in professional golf and two in amateur golf. Pro golf, I would say they they've got to find a way to fix this this, uh, this yeah. with live and 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 by, I'm by no means a big live fan, so let me just put that out there. But there's got to be some way to to make this less of a of a um, party lines kind of thing because this is mirroring politics to me. I get that they're not doing the same level of competition that the PGA tour is. I mean, literally they're not playing as many holes and whatnot, but the fact that they're getting no world ranking points whatsoever for that, they got to fix that. I would think maybe give them half a point or some kind of antiquated point system for what they're doing. Some way for them to, to, to be acknowledged for, for that. Um, And again, I'm not a fan at all of live, but it's time. They got to figure that out. And, uh, for amateur, I would say make make it cheaper. Uh, I'm gonna I, 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 I'm like broken record about that, but make golf cheaper, especially at the public munis. Yeah, I'm out here in Cali, and everything's more expensive out here. But even my friends in the Midwest go. I can't go play at a nine hole course without spending forty to fifty bucks m- myself to play. And how are you getting, how are you growing the game, as they like to say, when it, it you cannot include people that don't have that kind of budget? And I get that golf is different than some of these sports where you can just go find a basketball hoop anywhere you want and chuck up shots. But there's got to be a way to make it cheaper or times of day when you can get on for cheaper or whatever. Because right. uh, I do think that, yeah, the game is growing in popularity and the pandemic helped in that way because it got us outside again. But, um, yeah, make it cheaper and uh, make it more accessible in, uh, in in city settings so that those folks have more opportunity to play. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, last one, bud. Here's your chance. What would your message to the world be from Tucker Dale Booth? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to my political stick. 
uh, one of my albums from back when I was younger was called Tucker Booth for President. And that was one that got a lot of play in St. Louis. I'll literally, literally still be walking on the street when I go back to St. Louis. People will be shouting, Tucker Booth for President out their car window. <laughs> so as your presidential candidate who has literally been voted for in every election since 2004, <laughs> people send me their photographs of their write-ins for me in these elections. I've been literally voted for. I would say... I, my party, if I have one, is called the Self-Accountability Party. Do it your damn self. Fix it your damn self. People, I get that there are people that are going to make your life more difficult and that are literally going to, to make your life hell. But the only way that gets fixed is by you fixing yourself. I'm telling you, and you know, Lisa will back me up on this, you got to do your work on yourself first before you're going to get anybody else to even consider changing. Right. And this, this dream that everyone else is going to do what you want, do what you say, do what you demand. That is a fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> Fix yourself, cast the beam out of your own eye, do what you can to, to, to do right by, by your, your own self and by your family. And, and hopefully at the end of your life, you'll have less regrets than I probably will. <laughs> I'm with you all on, on all topics there. I'm with you, buddy. Tucker Dale Booth from Rappers Don't Golf, uh, among other things, and the co-author of Troublemaker uh, with Lisa Cornwell that drops May 23rd. It's good to see you again, bud. It's good to see you, too. I'm really glad we did this. Thanks for having Lisa on. Thanks for having my buddy Mike Whalen on. These are people that I owe everything to right now as far as my my new career. I dreamed about writing a book since I was a little kid. I literally told my guidance counselor, Jeff, when I grow up, I'm going to write the great American novel. And they sniffed at that. I don't know if this is that, but I, it, it's the first step. And, uh, oh, and I didn't even say this. I'm excited to announce I am already working on the next book that I got hired to write as the result of working with Lisa. So thank you, Lisa Cornwell. Without you, I would not already have been hired to write the next one. And it's going to be even juicier and crazier than troublemaker but please go pick up a copy of troublemaker folks may 23rd uh, I, I promise it'll be worth your while excellent excellent job that's it for tucker and i today we've got to get out of here and we will be back next week uh, with another edition of grilling at the green until then for tucker and myself have a great week play some golf and be kind